Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. And Joe, I'm excited. We have our special draft day preview show today. We're two days away uh, from this year's draft, which, you know, I, I got to say, like, I'm excited about the draft, but it may be one of the more underwhelming drafts from a talent standpoint that we've seen in a long time. I mean, in my mind, it's the weakest quarterback class that we've seen, the weakest running back class we've seen, the offensive line class isn't that strong, really – the meat and potatoes of this class is receivers and um, and defensive linemen. And that's really it. I think that's the strength of this class. And really in the other positions, it's pretty much lacking. Yeah, that's very well the case, Dan. It reminds me a lot of the 2013 draft class where it was very, uh, you know, questionable quarterback wise. And EJ Manuel is the first quarterback selected, which was basically an overreach by the Bills in the first round. And to your point, you know, it's very wide receiver heavy. And what we've seen over the last few weeks is all these trades and big contracts for receivers. And so teams are obviously putting a premium on that position with, you know, how players like, uh, you know, Jamar Chase have impacted the, the Bengals and, you know, skyrocketed them to contention basically in year one of his career. And so I think you can see as many as six to eight receivers go in the first round Thursday. I think so, too, Joe. I mean, it seems like the, the classes of receivers have gotten better and better. I mean, two years ago, we were talking about what an outstanding wide receiver class. Last year, it was like, man, could it possibly be any better than this? And then this year, it is better. And in fact, it's a lot better than what we've seen even in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Right. No, absolutely. A lot of guys there. But I think a draft class also or always feels kind of hollow where you don't have great quarterbacks in it. And that's the case. I mean, Joe, I was talking with friend of the show, Spencer, earlier, who we've had on here um, a couple times, and he and I were talking about the fact that some of these quarterbacks that you're going to see go in the first round, be it Malik Willis, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, and we're fair, Matt Corral, are guys who in a lot of years would be third, fourth, maybe even fifth round draft picks, in all honesty. Yes, they're only first rounders potentially this year because teams are desperate to draft a quarterback. Absolutely. And that's that's what we're looking at right now. And so there's going to be people reaching for quarterbacks like they always do, but maybe not as much as you would generally see. Yeah, I could see maybe us going 10 picks without a quarterback taken at least, but it kind of depends on what the Panthers do in the top 10. Like they're probably the most likely top 10 team to draft quarterback. That's right. You know, the Panthers, uh, they've had a rough couple of years at the quarterback position. They got rid of Cam Newton. They made that trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater ended up showing that really it was the fact that he just had a great defense in New Orleans that led him to have that really successful middle-of-the-year run where he filled in for Drew Brees. And then maybe Teddy B just never recovered from that injury that he had with the Vikings and never really was the same again. Um, and then, of course, he, does, he fizzles out. They bring back Cam Newton after a year of him, uh, you know, they bring back Cam Newton because Sam Darnold gets injured after they brought that this great trade for Sam Darnold. And then Cam ends up showing his age and maybe from the wear that he's had from a career where, to be frank, he wasn't treated the same way as other quarterbacks by officials and not protected. And suddenly you're looking at a team that could be looking at their fifth starting quarterback in two seasons. I mean, because what, you had – you had Cam, you had Sam Darnold, you had Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker. I mean, so, yeah, you'll be looking at number five right now. 
And so I, I think there's a chance they could go quarterback, but maybe if you're them, like, why don't you try to invest and get some more weapons, I think, before you go quarterback? Yes, because there's plenty of playmakers, you know, like we talked about with receiver in this draft, and you can definitely get a great offensive lineman, I think, in this class as well. Absolutely. Well, Joe, why don't we do this? Let's go, uh, let's go team by team in the top 32. And I've got a mock draft from SI.com. And we'll see what this guy says and say whether we agree or disagree. And, okay. you know, just kind of look at what the team's needs are. And I can go and tell you, Joe, that I disagree with a lot of what this guy says vehemently. But let's look at it and we can kind of compare our notes. Uh, Joe, okay. the first one we have is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, of course, you know, this is a team we could even trade. Um, but for purposes of our analysis today, we're not doing any trade talk. We're doing just like straight on the line. Uh, the number one overall draft pick has changed a lot the last few weeks. You know, for a while there, it was – it's Aiden Hutchinson. That's the guy. It's going to be him. And, you know, there's other times people have been talking about Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. That's who it's going to be. I mean, what a freak of nature, amazing athlete. And then all of a sudden, Joe, in this last week, Trevon Walker out of Georgia has come out of nowhere, and suddenly he is the odds-on favorite in Vegas. And not like a landslide. It's not like what we saw with Trevor Lawrence or what we've seen with a lot of these other quarterbacks and, you know, big-time players the last few years. But he's a substantial favorite. Not going to be a shocker by any means if the Jaguars go with someone else. But that is the guy that right now is listed as the number one player on the board. So, Joe, with that being said, uh, SI picks Trevon Walker going to the Jags. Is that the way that you think they go? That's not the way I would go. Um, I would go offensive line. I think you got to protect uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, who's a guy that has a lot of potential and he needs to, you know, stay upright to be successful. And I think they should go uh, offensive line with this pick. Uh, Joe, I, this guy lists uh, Trevon Walker as the pick. I also think you just spent all this money getting Trevor Lawrence. You made him the number one guy. He's the face of your program. Things didn't work out the way that we thought they were going to work out with Urban Meyer. Not by a long shot. You have to protect your main investment. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence looked like a rookie last year. And not that he only looked like a rookie. He looked like a rookie that had bad talent and bad protection. And, you know, there were some things that he did that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, look, T-Law isn't what we thought he was. Well, you got to give him the opportunity to be who you think he is. So mm -hmm. I think offensive tackle is the best thing they could do. And, Joe, if I were them, I would get Evan Neal out of Alabama. It hurts me to say these words coming out of my mouth that I think an Alabama player should be drafted number one overall, especially because, Joe, out of the entire pantheon of things that Nick Saban has done, this is the one thing that he has not done at Alabama is he has never had a number one overall draft pick there yet. So this is literally the last thing. The last thing that Lord Saban could check off the list of things he hasn't accomplished is this. And me, as the most ardent Auburn fan in the world, is telling you that this is what the Jags should do is go out and get Evan Neal. The guy is an amazing athlete. We were talking about a guy that's like six foot eight. He's 350. Uh, he runs under a 5-0. He can do a standing backflip. And, I mean, the, just the, the physical prowess of this guy is, is unmatched. And this is what you need to protect someone like Trevor Lawrence. So I think that they should go Evan Neal. And you wouldn't be sorry either. You know, the other guys you might could argue at some point might have bigger upside, but like you're not going to be sorry 10 years from now if you draft Devin Neal, in my opinion, you've got somebody that can start from day one. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You're not going to be, you're not going to be upset. There's not going to be any, any issue with it. Like, did you, did you not get a guy that's going to get 18 and a half sacks in the season? Yeah, you're not. But did you protect your own number one investment? Yes, you did. No matter what the case, if you got Evan Neal, that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we're in agreement on that one. And number two, Joe, the Detroit Lions. Uh, this is a team that a lot of weaknesses. I mean, they, they got, they got needs all over the board. And I, I told you earlier that Aiden Hutchinson was someone who, for the longest time, you know, he ended up getting second in a Heisman Trophy race that wasn't close, but he was listed as the number one guy off the board for a while. Travon Walker kind of snuck up and took that from him. This website has Aiden Hutchinson going to the Detroit Lions. And, you know, that that's – I like Hutchinson a lot, but my question is, with all the things that the Lions need – is defense is a defensive end really the best thing they could have? Because didn't they fire Matt Patricia? It'd be one thing in my mind if they had retained Matt Patricia and added someone who's a, a gifted defensive player like Aiden Hutchinson. But when you're going away from someone that is that solid of a defensive coach, this pick doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They've got a uh, Dan Campbell who was the Saints uh, special teams coordinator. He's their uh, head coach. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like this pick either, Dan. Um, I do think it's going to happen, definitely. Like, everything, to me, just kind of circles back to the Lions, you know, wanting the in-state hero and Hutchinson from Michigan, kind of the story there. Like, it reminds me a lot of Alonzo uh, Ball uh, in the NBA coming out of UCLA, drafted number two by the Lakers a few mm-hmm. years ago. It just feels like they want it to happen. But kind of like that, I still think it's going to work out that well. Um, I have some questions, but maybe Hutchinson proves me wrong. But, you know, going back to what you said um, I think that the Lions have areas, other areas they could address. And to me, with the exception of Stafford and Calvin Johnson, you know, over the last couple of decades, they've just been historically pretty bad at drafting. Um, mm-hmm. Like, especially a couple of years ago, they drafted a Jeff Akuda with like the number four pick, you know, which is a great, you know, talented cornerback, but he's been injured some. And I just don't think cornerback is where you go in the top five with a pick like that. And so to me, the Lions have just, uh, historically made a lot of questionable picks. Yeah, Joe, and this is one that would be – this would be a pick from the heart. You know, this is this is the guy who was the hero of Michigan football last year. He saved Jim Harbaugh's job. He beat Ohio State. He got there in the, the reins to possibly win a Heisman Trophy. His dad played at Michigan. This is a play when you know you have a poor team, but you want to sell some tickets. And, and I get that. I mean, I do. And so maybe if you if you decide in your mind we're the Lions and we're always going to suck, then why not take this pick? You know, I guess at least you know it'll help you with selling tickets and it'll help you with getting more people to view your games. But I think that there's a lot of other areas of need that they could address first. Uh, you know, I think I think wide receiver is something they need. They need some offensive linemen because we know that. Uh, you know, we know that their quarterback uh, is not exactly the most mobile of quarterbacks. Uh, of course, the one that went from the Rams over to them. Um, and they also, they need some receivers. They, they need receivers. Uh, I think running back is something they could probably address. I feel like um, the, the running back from Georgia that they have hasn't turned out to be quite as good as we thought he would be in the NFL. And so these are all things that you could think about but I just I think Aiden Hutchinson may be good for your bottom line, but it's not going to be good for your win loss total. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's other players to me that have a better upside and more of a sure thing that they could get here. All right, Joe, number three, the Houston Texans are picking. And here they're listed as getting uh, the other offensive lineman that's very highly regarded, Evan Neal. It's definitely been kind of a, you know, a back and forth as to who's the better tackle. And this is uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this, Joe. I'm sure I'm completely off on how you pronounce this. Iki Ekwanu uh, from <laughs> NC State. And he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of high marks. The Texans, you know, I usually like going offensive tackle here. I talked about how much I thought the Jaguars and Evan Neal. The only issue I see with this one, Joe, is do you care about it that much when your quarterback is Davis Mills? You don't have Deshaun Watson anymore. I mean, do we really see Davis Mills being a guy that's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL? I mean, no. I, I think that you might be better served to get some more talent on your team for what's inevitably going to be a quarterback you probably go and get next year or the year after that. I'm okay with it. Um, Like I I prefer Neil to this offensive lineman specifically, but I don't think it's a, um, you can go completely wrong because I think, you know, any of these top 10 offensive line talents or even usually first round offensive line talents are usually consistently pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard, you know, to to miss those. Like you don't hear about many people whiffing on offensive linemen of this caliber. And if I'm the Texans, to me, this is a good foundational piece where if Mills is not your quarterback next year, you know, you can bring in who you like. And it kind of also shows that the Texans are not doing what we're afraid some other teams are going to do, you know, and kind of overreach um, in, in this draft cluster. That's true. This would be a safe pick. I would uh, I would give him a B plus on this pick if that's the way they went. We know Aquano is very talented, and you're right. Even if Davis Mills is not the guy of the future, it never hurts to have a strong left tackle that can prepare whoever's going to be your quarterback. Right. All right, Joe. Uh, the next one that we have at number four are the Jets, and this is one that I really have a problem with. Uh, he has Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati, being picked by the Jets. Uh, Joe, the Jets are a team that I know that their 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 coach Lee. I saw him speak uh, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, really good, hard nosed defensive coach. Of course, he likes defensive players, but the Jets were pathetic on offense last year. I mean, like what we saw with Wilson, there were games he threw seven interceptions. I mean, barely even looked like a starting quarterback in the NFL. That guy needs help all over the board, offensive line, running back, wide receivers. How dare you go defense in the very first pick if you're the Jets if this is actually what happens? Well, I referenced earlier the Jeff Akuta pick a couple of years ago by the Lions. It reminds me a lot of that. That was also fourth overall. And I've never been a proponent of drafting a defensive back in the top 10. To me, if you're drafting in the top 10, then your team has a lot more troubles uh, foundationally than the defensive uh, secondary. Mm. Like you need to address the line um, on both sides before you even look at this. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I mean, th- this is definitely one where when I look at what happened with uh, Wilson out of BYU in his first season, I would even maybe consider trading up to get an Evan Neal or to get this Ekwanu to protect him because he looked completely out of sorts he didn't have a lot of time to throw the ball. And I think O-line is definitely the way you go right here. 
If not, maybe trade back to get a wide receiver because there's not a lot of talent there either. Yeah, I mean, and just how is a defensive back going to catapult your team, you know, to that many additional wins? Whereas, like, a great offensive lineman or even a pass rusher, you know, they can really make an impact. Or a linebacker. I think a linebacker is someone else that is going to really make a difference if you have that many problems. But, Joe, even your best cornerbacks, your Marcus Lattimore's, uh, your Islands, like, you know, what we saw Richard Sherman back in the day, they're not going to take you if you're someone as bad as the Jets to be in a playoff team. Mm-hmm. They no, absolutely they might, they might add a win or two to you, maybe, but that's not – they're not a, a player that's that a great need to where you need to go in the top five to get them. Right, exactly. All right, Joe, the next one we have at number five, we have uh, the New York Giants sticking with our philosophy and taking offensive tackle with Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I mean – I like the offensive line standpoint. I'm not big on Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in the Egg Bowl against Ole Miss, uh, Sam Williams, you know, who has first-round talent, but is probably going to fall in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Some he beat Charles Cross consistently that night, getting pressure to uh, to the quarterback. And so I'm just not sold on Cross. I think he's a little bit overrated. Um, I would prefer him probably in the 20s, 15s, 20 uh, pick. I don't think he's. Uh, in my opinion, good enough to be at number five. Yeah, Joe, I've been very interested by seeing how inflated Charles Cross has been in all these evaluations, because you're right. I mean, I saw him get beat consistently by Ole Miss when they played him. I saw in the first half of the Auburn game, him get just demolished by what wasn't a great offensive, defensive lineman, defensive line by Auburn by any means. Uh, Alabama, you know, was able to do whatever they wanted to against him. And so when, when you saw him take on the best defensive lines in the SEC, I mean, outside of, I guess, having a good game against uh, Texas A&M, not really a whole lot that we saw there that in my mind justifies a top five pick on the, on the left tackle. Does this uh, particular mock draft have him as the third offensive lineman or the second? This would be the third. Well, actually, he'd be the second in this one because uh, Equanu is number one. This, this guy actually has him ranked ahead of Evan Neal, which to me is madness. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. That is stunning. Yeah, I, I told you that I highly disagree with this guy. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not even going to say your name on this show because I disagree with you so much. I'm not <laughs> saying I think you're stupid or that I think you're wrong. Uh, well, actually, I'm saying you're wrong. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're stupid. Obviously, this is what you do for a living, but, man, you're way off. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, Joe. The next one that I have, uh, in number six, we have uh, – Carolina Panthers, and here they have them taking Evan Neal out of Alabama, which, Joe, if Evan Neal fell to six, that would be a gift from the heavens to take him at that, at that. and I would give that that pick an A++ if that were to actually happen. Yeah, I mean, I'd take him immediately. The only reason I might pause for a few minutes on the clock is to see if anybody gives me a phone call wanting to trade up, you know, getting excited about Evan Neal being available. Yeah, exactly. That would be the only thing is if, if you, like, realize, well, wait, Evan Neal is here? We have a lot of problems with the Panthers. Maybe let's see if they'll give us a couple first-round picks later on the line to take him, and that would be the only reason you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, Joe. At number seven, after the Panthers, uh, the New York Giants, uh, this guy, I guess, uh, I guess the New York Giants uh, made a trade with the Bears to, to go off. Uh, and this, I mean, this is a guy that they have listed that a lot of people loved and probably – for the last two years before this year, we thought he was going to be the number one overall draft pick. 
Uh, he's someone that is not very popular in the state of Alabama. Actually, extremely unpopular with Alabama fans, with the University of Alabama, because he said the only reason he didn't go to Alabama was because it was a poor education. And that's Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Joe, can I say I saw Thibodeau in person when Auburn played Oregon in 2019, and I know he was a true freshman, but as much as I heard about this guy, I didn't really see him do a whole lot in that game. And I've always felt like he was highly overrated. It was like people wanted him to be good because he was the the number one overall uh, recruit in his class. So if you're the number one overall recruit in your class, you have to be this good which I remember Auburn one year had the number one overall recruit in their class. He ended up doing nothing at Auburn and transferring to Florida. It doesn't mean that you're that great. And I kind of think that Thibodeau might be one of the most overrated players in this draft. I can take him at seven if I'm the Giants because you've already had a, a top ten pick. Mm-hmm. I feel like that gives you a little bit more of a luxury to take the gamble because I do think there's an incredible potential of upside with Thibodeau. So I am okay with that pick. Yeah. I think there's definitely potential for upside, but in terms of what I've seen, I haven't really seen it. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I I think you're right. I think you already having had a top 10 pick before that makes this a much more palatable pick. But if this was my only pick that I had in the top 10, there's no way I'd be going Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, I'd be nervous. Okay. All right, Joe, at number eight, uh, this one – I, I, you know, so far, I feel like I've disagreed with this guy just about everyone. This is the worst one yet, though. Uh, so the Atlanta Falcons at number eight, he has them taking Drake London, the USC wide receiver. Joe, I understand that the Calvin Ridley suspension is there right now. But if there's one thing the Falcons have in spades, it's wide receivers. I mean, they're loaded at the wide receiver position. They have been for the last five years, yet they continually go out and draft wide receivers early. And I don't understand it. And if they did this, this would be just another grave injustice to their team that is fine at wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, they drafted Kyle Pitts last year in the top five, and everybody was kind of excused that, saying, you know, he was such a can't-miss prospect. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, this would be the second year they would have kind of done that if they go after London. I'm not even sure London's the best receiver in this class, and I don't think it's, you know, a position of just need, like you said, uh, with the Falcons. So, yeah, I would not uh, I would not agree with that pick. Uh, Joe, if I were the Falcons, I'd be going offensive line, offensive line, and offensive line. And if you didn't think that there was a player right here that warranted an eighth overall pick, trade this pick. Mm-hmm. Seriously, because, I mean, you haven't moved on from – did they move on from that, Ryan? I don't. Yeah, they traded him to the um, to the Colts. Okay, who do they end up getting? Their starter is going to be Marcus Mariota next year. All right. Well, Marcus Mariota still has a lot of injury problems. You need to protect your starting quarterback right now, and you have plenty of receivers. I mean, even though you're not going to have Calvin Ridley for, I think, is it, is it an eight game suspension? I think it's it may be an entire season. It's an entire season. It's a lot. So. You may be missing out really for that much. You don't have Julio anymore, but you still have Russell Gage. You still have a good tight end. I still think they have a you know probably an upper level wide receiver room. I think this would be a very terrible pick if they did this. Mm-hmm. I think so. And that's not anything against Drake London. This is against any wide receiver they pick. I wouldn't care which one they went out and got. I think this would be a very poor pick. Mm-hmm. Right. And that fits in with the way I've thought about what this guy said on everything so far. 
All right, Joe, let's go to number nine in the Seattle Seahawks. This was an interesting one right here. Um, this is a guy who two years ago I would have said, man, you're getting him at nine. That's a steal of a deal. But with what I've seen with his attitude, with doesn't seem like he's much of a team first player and how he kind of gave up on his team the last couple of years, it'd be hard for me to want to invest a lot of money in this guy. And I'm talking about Derek Stingley of LSU. Uh, Derek Stingley, as a true freshman, he was one of the unsung heroes of that national championship team. He really was. I mean, in probably one of their more hard-fought games against Auburn, he made an amazing interception at the end of the first half that really, you know, might have been one of the plays of the game. He completely locked down Seth Williams in that game at the time when Seth Williams was playing his best football of his career. And he did it consistently against a lot of other really good wide receivers. When he played Alabama, he did it. But then the next year when Joe Burrow was gone, when Jamar Chase, you know, opted out, when all of these players that brought LSU to what's arguably the greatest teams ever as national championship, and suddenly Derek Stingley was the star, he shot away from the limelight. And by that, I mean, when they lost a couple of games, he quit on his team. He opted out of the rest of the season. And then the next year, he kind of had a little bit of what I saw with um, – um, with, you know, uh, with Leonard Fournette, where I felt like he kind of faked injuries a little bit. Didn't really seem like he cared enough about his team to play there. And in my mind, I know he's an incredible talent. I know he's a lockdown corner. But do you want somebody that shows that level of care about his team and that much of a commitment to the locker room? I wouldn't at number nine. Yeah, I wouldn't take him either um, for two reasons. One, you know, you think about this uh, issue of lack of commitment. Like, that's a big thing right now in sports. You know, they're talking about right now with the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, you know, some of the issues they're having, um, you know, just staying on the court, wanting to play, motivation. And I just think this issue and concept of load management that we see in sports, you know, you don't want a player that you're going to think is going to quit on your team, especially in the top ten. So I would definitely want to stay away from that. And then second, as I referenced earlier, I'm just not a proponent of taking defensive backs. He's really even this high. Um, if you're the Seahawks, you know, you're really uh, hitting a total rebuild now that Russell Wilson's been traded. And so I'm really looking at more foundational pieces here. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I know the Seahawks are a team that generally has been a, a defensive branded team. Even though Pete Carroll is more of an offensive guy, they've been more of a defensive centric team. I'm with you. I don't like picking cornerbacks in the top 10. And Derek Stingley is actually two years ago would have been an exception to that. I may have actually been okay with that, that move were for a different team, but the way that I've seen Derek Stingley morph into, into a player that I just frankly don't have a whole lot of uh, love or respect for it makes him hard as a palpable pick for anybody in the top 10 right now to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if I were them, I definitely would look at defensive line, offensive line, uh, maybe even if maybe even a wide receiver wouldn't be a bad pick to, to pair with DK Metcalf right now. Uh, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't like Derek Singley in this position. All right, Joe, at number 10, uh, the Jets have another pick. And uh, if if this guy, if this pick goes the way that he says he is, there's gonna be a lot of fans that are very angry in New York uh, about them going with another defensive player in the top 10 when their offense is truly atrocious and they have a quarterback who's treading water back there. He has uh, Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end from Florida State. 
going to uh, the Jets right here with their second number 10 pick, with their second first-round pick. Yeah, I don't know much about Johnson. Um, it seems like, you know, there are more noteworthy uh, prospects that I've been hearing about in the top 15 that a lot of other people are higher on that you could go here if you're the Jets. But it just hit me, though, on another kind of stunning level that have we even heard Trayvon Walker's name been called yet? And yet, you know, he, he's been floated around as the number one pick. Yeah, they, they, they picked Trayvon Walker to go number one to the Jags. Okay. Okay. That's, that's right. I, I, I completely, for some reason, I got him confused with Hutchinson for a second. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest, Joe, uh, probably not just me, but I didn't watch a whole lot of Florida State football because they've been bad 